All right, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, as you've seen, searching for Christmas. And it's the Christ of Christmas. And these are messages all about Jesus and discovering the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust you had a tremendous Thanksgiving. I know we did in Williamsburg. And it's good to see my brother here this morning as well with us. And uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas. And we are taking these steps to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And a good way to start right here is in Philippians chapter 2. And the music has already just gone so much with the message. And I know the Lord is going to reveal himself through his word today. Let's look at context before the text. You see, here in the section of Philippians, the Apostle Paul is addressing. Now, he is first uh, detailing uh, the discovery of joy in the Christian life throughout the entire book. But here he is addressing some disunity in Philippi. He has some problems in Rome that he dealt with, but he heard some things about what was happening in Philippi, and he declares the answer to joy. Now, he's already said that joy can be discovered in any circumstance by actions of faith. Warren Wearsby in his commentary said, the secret of joy in spite of circumstances is the single mind. Now we've talked about that with Thanksgiving. Having a single mind. Thoughtful people are thankful people. If you really think about it, you'll thank the Lord for it. So it's a single mind that we must have, and you can have joy if you have a single mind. And then the secret of joy in spite of people is the submissive mind. So here he lays out the answer to dealing with with those that that may uh, cause conflict or in the midst of conflict, there must be lowliness of mind. Each esteem other better than themselves. And then there must be like-mindedness. And here the example is this, the way up is down. We heard the exhortation in verses 1 through 4 in our scripture reading. The text moves from the exhortation to the examples. Timothy will be used as an example of someone who served and was faithful and submitted. In verse number 19, we're going to learn that he was like-minded with the Apostle Paul. He served like a son with a father together for the gospel. What a tremendous example Timothy was. And then Epaphroditus in verse 25. Paul describes Epaphroditus as a brother, a companion in labor, a fellow soldier, a messenger, one who ministered to Paul's wants. And even when Epaphroditus was sick unto death, he was concerned and in heaviness for those at Philippi. What a tremendous example Epaphroditus is. But the example of all examples here in Philippians chapter 2 is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one, as you heard in verse number 7, who made himself of no reputation. But here in verse number 9, while he did not make a name for himself, while he did not exalt himself, notice what the Bible says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. And hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is Lord. For the next few moments as we start off our Christmas series and messages here, I want to focus on the reality and preach about the wonderful name 
of Jesus. Would you agree with me this morning? There's just something about that name. What's special? What's wonderful about the name of Jesus? You see, there's always something interesting about a name. We have six children, and so we've spent a time or two or six uh, choosing names. We have a, let's put, we had, let's put that past tense, make that clear out there, had a system, okay? She picked out, in case y'all are wondering if we're going to the number of perfection, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> we had a system, she picked out all the girls' names, and I had veto power. You can tell I had a little bit of a political background. And uh, there's checks and balances. And so I would pick out all the boy names and she would have veto power. So we'd submit a name to the council and there'd be executive decision on approving or vetoing. And so uh, all of our boys are, of course, organized out, laid out, uh, alliterated there. J for J all the way down. And we've got C for all the C's. So if you just figured that out, that's the way it goes. Yes, I'm OCD even with the naming of my children. But our children, even just... They're who they're named. It's interesting how if you have kids and you, you know of people's names, sometimes their names, and it's interesting, our kids' names match who they are. Uh, many times there's Kaylee, Kaylee Joy. You know, Kaylee is uh, the Gaelic term for crown of. And I thought a crown of rejoicing. That's soul winning, really. But the crown of joy. And if you know Kaylee, she's got a lot of joy. And then there's Karis. You know, Karis is the word for grace, and her middle name is Grace. And now that we're going through the terrible twos, we're calling out Grace, Grace. Amen. God's <laughs> grace. There's something about a name. There's authority. There's access. There's approval. It was last night, and I was out there in the back, and of course, I try not to go to the gas stations and pray and uh, go to places and park anymore. It's a little scary, but I was out in the back of the church about 10.30 last night, just praying and seeking the Lord, really just wondering what the Lord's will was and about all this stuff with mandates and orders and just seeking the Lord and praying, and all of a sudden, I, I saw a, a group of, uh, of red, uh, blue lights uh, coming back, and uh, there were two police officers this way and a couple cars this way, I believe, and so they were just kind of converging upon my vehicle. Apparently, somebody had called on the person who was loitering in the back of the church. <laughs> somebody in that neighborhood, hallelujah for that. And they started pulling up, and I, I, just, I just started breaking out laughing. I'm sorry. I just started laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because I knew it was going to happen. And I could see them on the, rear view, on the side mirrors just kind of coming up there on the side, and they were going in for the bust. And I just knew it was going to happen, and I put the window down, and he was all serious. And I just said, hey, I'm Joe Shakur. I'm the pastor of this church. And he goes, what's your name again, Joe? And he looked it up. And the name, I was okay to be there. And uh, the name gave that approval for me to be there. And there was just, there's, there's something about the name that just kind of diffused the whole situation. I'm the pastor of this church. I can sit here and pray. And we had a good time of fellowship. I'm telling you, he, he goes to Peace Church and we just had to start talking about all this stuff and he got some good answers about all this stuff and it was just really helpful. I was actually praying. I said, Lord, give me exactly what we need to be doing tomorrow. And he came along and was like, whatever. And so it was just helpful. But there's just, there's, there's access and there's recognition. There's there's something about a name. That's who you are. That's what you're known for. Parents spend months picking out names. Something that's appropriate. Something that sounds attractive. Something that has significance to it. You don't name your kids Jezebel or Judas. Maybe a snake or a pit bull. Please. 
When you think about names, we come to the Christmas season, you think about the name of Jesus. And the names of Jesus. You see, he was not named by Gabriel, who announced his birth, and what he would be named. He was not named by his foster father, Joseph, who adopted him and, as Matthew said, called him Jesus. He was not named by his mother, Mary, who carried him. The Bible says that God hath given him a name which is above every name. You see, there is a name today that prompts heaven to shout and hell to shudder. There is a name that brings help to the helpless, peace to the perplexed, rest to the restless, hope to the hopeless, comfort to the comfortless. This is a name that has cooled the fevered brow, broken the chains of sin, saved the captive, and captivated the saved. It's the wonderful name of Jesus. Oh, what's so wonderful about the name of Jesus? Here in Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8, did you know it was originally a hymn, we could say a Christmas carol, that was sung by the early church. And it's in this section that we see something about who Jesus is, what he did, and why the name Jesus is wonderful. Notice, first of all, the divinity of his name. Verse number five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Think with me this morning. We're going to get into a little bit of doctrine today. His name is Jesus, but did you notice in verse number five, the order and designation of his name is Christ Jesus. That's not a first and last name. That's a title with a name. The name Christ is anointed. It speaks of the Messiah. It speaks of what he would do and who he is as the one who was anointed that would come. And the word name Jesus means deliverer or savior. The word Christ brings our attention that Jesus is, is Christ Jesus. He's the prophesied one, the promised one, the anointed king of Israel. Christ Jesus. And this Christ Jesus is described in verse 6 as being in the form of God. Stick with me today. The word form, morphe, is essence, nature, or character. It's who you are at your core. Morphe never changes. Here's what Paul is saying. That Jesus possessed the unchangeable, essential nature and character of God. Being in the form of God. Notice that word, being in the form of. The word being is a present active participle, meaning this. Jesus always has been and presently continues to be the very essence and nature and form God. That's why Jesus could say in John 14 verse 9, he who hath seen me hath seen the Father. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory, get this, and the express image of his person. You're only the express image when you are that one. Isaiah 7 verse 14, the prophecy given hundreds of years earlier, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and thou shalt call his name what? Emmanuel. Well I thought it was Jesus. Oh Jesus is Christ, he's Emmanuel meaning God with us. You see Jesus never became God at a certain point, he always was God. 
When he came to earth, Jesus as Emmanuel was God, as 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 says. And without a controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He's God, manifest in the flesh. What's wonderful about the name of Jesus? He's the form of God, is the divinity of his name. Christ Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And not just the divinity of his name, but notice the humility of his name. Look at verse number six. Watch this. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now there's a lot of discussion in the text about what's being communicated here. Let's look at the word robbery as the idea of seizing off or carrying by force. It's used primarily of soldiers who would be dishonorable. They would plunder and steal or, and even imitate rank to take authority. You see, Jesus did not have to earn his rank or authority. He did not have to uh, steal it or embezzle it some sort of way. He did not have to beg or borrow to be who he was. He, he was and is and will always be God. So, he being God in the form of God chose to empty himself. The other idea of this text of thought it not robbery to be equal with God is the thought of needing to hold on to, to embrace. He's not some dishonorable soldier who had to fake it until he made it. He did, he's not some dishonorable soldier who got the rank and then he had to hold on to it before somebody else would steal it. He, did, he didn't have to embrace it and hold on to it. It's who he is, his essence of who God is. And so the God of very gods in humility could choose to take on the form of a servant. He could empty himself and still be God. Look at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, voluntarily emptying himself, not of who he was. Get this. He didn't become half God, half man. He was fully God and fully man. He did not have to empty himself and did not empty himself of who he was, but he emptied himself of the reputation. Do you see that word? Of what they said about him, what they knew about him. You see his position and privileges and prerogatives were submitted and emptied of no reputation. You see, when he came to earth, Jesus chose a name that's a wonderful name, but get this, it's a common name. The name Jesus, Yeshua, it's a common name in Israel at that time. It's the Greek equivalent of the word Joshua. In fact, in the Spanish language, we'll find a whole lot of Jesuses out there. It's a very common name, named Jesus. Now, nobody names their children Jesus in English for a reason, but there's a lot of Joshuas out there that's the same name. It's a very common name. In fact, they, when they referenced Jesus in the New Testament, he was Jesus of Nazareth. He could have chosen any other name. He could have chosen Malek. I'm king. He called me Malek. He could have chosen all sorts of names, Saul or David even. David number two. He could have, but he chose a common name, Jesus. In humility, he made himself of no reputation. I want you to understand this today. While he had full equality, and he could have gone by the name Everlasting Father. Do you remember the prophecy? And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Hi there, I'm wonderful. His name is wonderful, and it, it's who he is. It's, it's also his name, Counselor. He could have said, I'm the mighty God. His name was Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But no, he went by the name Jesus. 
He chose humility, the name Jesus, Savior, to show that he was coming to save, to do something, to serve, to save the humility of that name. But honest also, it's the humanity of the name, the name Jesus. He took upon him, the Bible says, notice in the text, the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Get this, being in the form of God, but also taking on the form of a servant. Same word. I remember a wealthy landlord in my father's Plaza in the bookstore in Burlington, North Carolina, Mr. Parks. If you've ever been to Burlington, there's a place called Coombe Park Plaza for the Cummins family, the Parks family, and uh, Mr. Parks of the Coombe Park Plaza. Every morning as a boy, I'd watch Mr. Parks, and he'd be dressed in his old jeans and tattered garments, and he'd be taking out his uh, leaf blower, and he'd just be blowing the leaves. If, if you didn't know Mr. Parks was a multimillionaire, you wouldn't know that, uh, that he would have just thought he was uh, someone just cleaning up the, the field and the, cleaning up the area. But every single morning, he'd be picking up trash and blowing up leaves and dressed uh, like an ordinary worker. He was still the owner, but he appeared otherwise. When the Lord Jesus Christ left the ivory palaces of heaven and came down this royal staircase and came to this low land of sorrow, he retained who he was, God of every God. But he served in a very real way and took upon him humanity. When we talk about the incarnation or the self-emptying of Christ, it's as if a man took on the form of a worm. And that's what Jesus did for us, as us. He was the heavenly child born of an earthly mother and the earthly child born of a heavenly father. The tongue that called forth the dead was a human one. The hand that touched the leper had dirt under its nails. The feet upon which the the women wept were calloused and, and dusty and his tears came from a heart that was as broken as yours or mine has ever been. Aren't you thankful today? We have a high priest. The Bible says we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. But Jesus was made like unto us. To redeem us, to save us. Hebrews 2, verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And Jesus, in humility, revealed himself. Fully God, fully man. Undiminished deity, unprotected humanity. It's called the theantrophic nature of Christ. God, man. Now watch this. It says form. Do you notice that again? Form. Exact meaning. In other words, when he came to this earth, he didn't just pretend. He didn't just assume an outward form. He actually served them. That's the example why Jesus is used as the ultimate example of service. He didn't just pretend to care. He cared. He didn't just pretend to serve. He served. And he served and he submitted and he sacrificed himself for us. Look at verse number eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And all of the answer of humanity was found in the person of Jesus. Oh, I think about Job. Do you remember Job's prayer in his time of trouble? Job cried out in Job 9.32 as he talked about God and he was just complaining and just kind of talking about the Lord and just speaking about him. He said, well, I, I can't quite get it. It's really not right because, you know, God is not a man as I am that I, that I, I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. 
neither is there any daysman betwixt us that we might lay his hand on us both. He says this, he says, Job is mourning the fact that, that there is nobody so much like God uh, to lay hand on God. But at the same time, there's nobody so much like man to bring God and man together. Job is saying, I just wish there was somebody that, that God was more, that God could understand and I could understand. There could be somebody that could be a mediator between God and man. And that's why Jesus came to this earth as the God-man. He took upon himself humankind, humanity. He took not the nature of angels, but he took upon the seed of Abraham so he could save us, so he could redeem us, so he could reconcile us to God. Oh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 is very clear, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants every single person to be saved and born again. He wants every person to come to Him. That's why He says, be ye reconciled to God. God hath reconciled the world unto Himself and has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. It's not a church. uh, It's not some priest. It's not Mother Mary. It's not the Pope. It's not Mohammed or your grandma. It's Jesus. There was one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Hey, Job, just hold on. Just wait. There is one that's coming who is so much God, but he's also so much man. And he is the mediator, the in-between, the way, the truth, and the life. I praise God for his Humanity. I praise God for his humility. I praise the Lord for his divinity. It's, that's why his name is wonderful. It's, it's Christ Jesus, Savior, God, man. But also notice the sovereignty of his name. Verse number nine, wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, And then every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 9, God hath highly exalted him, super exalted him, who so he hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name. What name? He already went by the name of Jesus. That's not a new name. He was given that at birth. What happened at the resurrection and ascension to the name Jesus that brought significance to our understanding? Understand, he is Christ, anointed, Messiah, Jesus, Savior. In the text, it's a definite article. He hath given him the name. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not first, middle, and last. That's he is the Lord, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, there are two uses of the term Lord. The first term is a term of respect. It's the equivalent of sir. The second term, the most common usage of the name Lord, is the term referring to God. The Jews had so long believed the name of God, and they knew the name of God was ineffable, was unpronounceable. In fact, in the Old Testament, you'll find just the consonants, Y-H-W-H. Some say Yahweh, Yahweh, or Jehovah, as we see spelled out. In, the, in your Old Testament, you'll see the name Lord in all capital letters, L-O-R-D, referring to the name of God. And so here Jesus has and is, will be recognized by all 
with the supreme title of Lord. It had been predicted, Isaiah 45, verse 22. God says, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. You remember in Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, how is that possible? Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Prophesy that the Lord will say to my Lord. David says that. In fact, when Peter got up at Pentecost and was filled with the Holy Ghost, that was one of the first passages that he went to. In Acts chapter 2, verse 34, he said, David had not ascended up into the heavens, but David said himself, the Lord says to my Lord, sit thou upon my right hand. And when Peter preached at Pentecost, he said that Jesus the Lord Jesus Christ whom you've crucified God raised and exalted at the right hand of God and he one day is going to rule over all as king of the universe oh it was something that was prophesied something that will be proclaimed for eternity as we worship the lamb slain before the foundation of the world you see he's always been God the Son and the Son of God. He's the eternal Son of God, the eternal God the Son. He's always been Lord of all. But there is a coming kingdom where he'll be recognized finally one day for who he is as the Lord. Ruled and reigned and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's a done deal. You say, well, I wonder how it's all going to play out. I'm on the winning side. No, friend, you're on the side that's already won. I wonder if the devil's going to win. There's no battle. Jesus has already run, and one day he will rule and reign as Lord over all. And every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. The devil himself with gritted knee on knee, with gritted teeth, will say, he is Lord. Every demon will confess he is Lord. Every agnostic, atheist, humanist, evolutionist will declare he is Lord. Every person here today under the sound of my voice or listening on the radio or watching online, you will declare Jesus is Lord. And we'll see him for who he is. And when he comes again, the Bible says on his vesture and on his thigh, he will have written upon him like a banner, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming. Can we talk about Jesus? Never was there a man who was born like he was born. Virgin born. Never was there a man who lived like he lived. A virtuous life. Never was there a man who died like he died, a vicarious death. And never was there a man who got up like he got up on a victorious resurrection. He is supreme and there's not a lover like him. That's why his name is wonderful. Oh, there have been names throughout all the ages that have been exalted. There are names that have stood tall but they've been matched. Well, there was a Washington, there was a Lincoln, there was a Roosevelt, there was a Reagan. The names of this world can be matched, but there was one who was unmatched, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is unparalleled. He is unrivaled. He is one that is above all. He's the only one that can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes 
cometh unto the Father, but by me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 says, whom he wrought in Christ and set him at his own right hand far above principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Names fade and come and go. Names have arisen in history. Great men have come and gone, but that little baby born in Bethlehem's manger, the angels bowed and called him Jesus. There's a name that's never lost its power. There's a name that's never lost its authority and access. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And that's why the psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's why the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The year was 1925 and Dr. Clinton Howard attended the World Peace Commission. Dr. Howard wrote about the event saying, it was my privilege as the chairman of the World Peace Commission to attend the opening session of the conference for a limitation of armament. Look how that worked out. Called by President Harding at Washington during the early months of his administration. Among the high commissioners attending, representing the world powers, Howard says there was an interesting and extraordinary personality. In any group of distinguished men, he would attract immediate attention by his manner, attire, conduct, and character. You see, while every other head was uncovered, the high commissioner kept his hat on. During the invocation of the president's pastor, all stood save this one man. His white turban was wound closely around his head and climbed to a great height, setting, sitting like, setting like a pyramid upon his finely chiseled, dark-skinned, dignified head. Howard writes, around his neck was a string of beads, which he touched with reverence, pushing him from the left to the right, one by one, until he made a complete circuit of his neck. He presented a weird and mystic appearance until one understood the significance of his oriental adornment. He was the commissioner from India, a high caste prince from the land of mystery. He was also a Muslim nobleman. You see, there he sat in silence, pushing his beads, at times moving his lips in an audible speech. He attracted my curiosity, Howard writes, and I resolved to learn the significance of his oriental adornment. Introduced by an official of the government, Howard says, I made bold to inquire, what is the significance of that string of beads around your neck? He said, string? This is not a string. Pushing the beads close together to disclose its character and color. He said, this is the golden cord that binds my soul to Allah, God. He said, what, and the beads? Beads? He said, these are not beads. They are gems. Gems of glory, jewels of joy, pearls of paradise. He said, this is my rosary. Every one of these gems, jewels and pearls, 99 of them in all of this court of gold represent the 99 beautiful names of Allah. He says, the God of the Quran, the holy book of my religion. He says, I'm worshiping Allah, calling upon him. Every one of his 99 beautiful names by which he is known in the book of my religion. He says, I challenge you. I challenge you as a Christian to match my rosary. He says, I have better speaking acquaintance from my Allah than you have with your Jesus. He says, I know my Allah by his full name. I challenge you to match me gem for gem, jewel for jewel, pearl for pearl. So Howard left that day and compiled a list 
to compare to the 99 names of Allah. He sat down and he published a pamphlet with these names. He began to think about the names of Jesus. And I want us this Christmas season, as we kick off Christmas messages, just to think about Jesus. Just meditate on Jesus for just a moment. Here's the names that Howard listed. You see, he's called Jesus. He's also called the young child, the holy child, the Nazarene, Jesus of Nazareth. He's called the Lord, Lord Jesus, the Lord from heaven, the Lord of glory, the Lord of righteousness, the Lord of the holy prophets, the Lord our Savior. And as Thomas declared, my Lord and my God, he hath given him a name that is above every name. He is called Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lord and Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ of God, the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he hath given him a name that is above every name. In the Bible, he's called Jesus Christ, our righteous, Savior, Emmanuel, Teacher, Rabbani, Master, Governor, Lawgiver, Forerunner, Redeemer, Messiah, Shiloh, Deliverer, Mediator, Intercessor, Messiah, and Prince. And he hath given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. He's called a prince and a savior, one mighty to save, the surety of the better testament, the just one, the holy one, the holy and the just, the just and the righteous one, the holy one of God, the faithful and true witness. He's called a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people, the consolation of Israel, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he hath given him a name that is above every name. He is called the first fruits, the first begotten, the elect of God, a branch of righteousness, the second Adam, the last Adam, the king of Zion, the king of the Jews, the king of saints, the prince of the kings of the earth, the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, God manifest in the flesh. And he hath given him a name that is above every name. He's called the righteous judge, the judge of Israel, the judge of all the earth, the desire of the nations, the ensign of the people, the captain of the Lord's host, a banner upon a high mountain. And he hath given him in him a name that is above every name. He is called the messenger of the covenant, a minister of the sanctuary, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Our advocate, our advocate with the Father, our peace, our ransom, our redeemer, our Passover, our great high priest, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, the king of Salem, the king of peace. And he given him a name that is above every name. He is called the man Christ Jesus, a man approved of God, our elder brother, the firstborn among many brethren, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he hath given him a name that is above every name. He is called the master, your master, your Lord and master, good master. He's called the horn of salvation, the captain of our salvation, the brightness of the Father's glory, the glory as of the only begotten, the image of the invisible God, the express image of his person, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the bridegroom, the beginning of the creation of God. And he hath given him a name that is above every name. And by the way, at that point, they passed the Islamic rosary. 106 to 99. But the Bible's not through. He's called the way, the truth, and the life, the tree of life, the light of life, the word of life, the bread of life, the prince of life, the life eternal. He is, he is God. He is king. He is the Lord. And we worship him. He hath given him a name that is above 
every name. He is called the light of the world, a quickening spirit, the first fruits of them that sleep, the first begotten of the dead. He's the resurrection and the life. That's 169. He is called the head of the corner, the head of the church, the head of every man, the true light which lighteth every man which cometh into the world. He is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the one altogether lovely, the fairest among 10,000, the bright and morning star. And he hath given him a name that is above every name. He is called the power of God, the wisdom of God, the gift of God, the word of God, the language of God, the image of God, the, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He's God elect. Hey, you can save all your, your shouting for the baseball, the basketball games or sports games. I, I'm talking about Jesus. God hath exalted him and hath given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Jesus, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the word of God, he's the first and the last. The beginning and the end. The Alpha and Omega. The Ancient of Days. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Blessed and Only Potentate. God with us. God our Savior. The Only Wise God our Savior. The Lord which is, which was, and is to come. He's called the Almighty. He hath given him a name that is above every name. He's called the Son of Mary. The Son of Man. The Son of David. The Son of Abraham. The Son of the Blessed. The Son of Righteousness. The Son of the Highest. My Son. The Son of God. The Son of the Living God. God's dear Son. The Son, the son of His love. The only begotten Son of God, when God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, God hath given him a name that is above every name. It's a name that you can go to with all your needs are met. In his name there is healing. In his name there is salvation. In his name there is freedom from sin. In his name there is power over devils. In his name there is victory over in, in your life. In his name every human need will be met. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. We ought to praise his name. We ought to propagate his name. We ought to lift up his name. And I probably lift it up from the earth. He says, I'll draw all men unto me. Some people blaspheme it, will bear it. Some people discredit it, will declare it. Some people curse it, will cherish it. Some people revile it, will reverence it. Some people abhor it, will adore it. Some people laugh at it, will love the name of Jesus. And the next time you're going through the blues of Christmas, just lift up the name of Jesus. The next time somebody that you're with is just getting on your nerves, just think about Jesus who humbled himself, served Submitted, sacrificed, the way down is up. Instead of getting all bent out of shape, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Just get up into a place. If you're down, if you're out, listen, if you don't know what to do, just look to Jesus. Just find a spot and lift up your hands in praise and saying, He is Lord. He is Lord. He hath risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, in eternity in heaven, they'll know that name. In hell for eternity, they'll know that name. Satan knows that name. The only place right now where the name of Jesus is not known in power and glory is in the heart and lives of lost men and women. You see, one day your knee will bow. One day your tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's coming in the kingdom. Oh, he could return today to call us to be with him, our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we worship that one. We wait for that one. And one day we will be with that one, seated with him in a heavenly throne. And it will be worth it all. Can I tell you, friend, it will, it's going to work out. 
Hey, this Christmas season can be the best Christmas season of your life if you just focus on the fact that He hath given Him a name which is above every name. Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, as the angels declared that day, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Would you come to Him? Would you call upon Him? Would you listen to that announcement? And lift up the name of Jesus.